Hi, this is Rebecca. And this is Brandon. We are a couple of theater nerds. We love movies and we love talking about movies. Join us on our drive home as we review the movies we have just watched. And that we will inevitably disagree on. This is the Drive Home Reviews Podcast. So a little bit uh, off of our usual pathway of kind of smaller, um, more odd movies, we're uh, we're entering blockbuster territory this yeah, week. Yeah, well, like I said, we will take a look at the big things that come out, the things you can't ignore. And so this is for the podcast version, this is our first deep dive into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The- right. I think um, probably the last two years we've tried to do as many marvel movies together as we could yeah i I, i'm trying to think i don't know if there is one we haven't done together either long distance or have waited to see in person so i don't i think we've hit just about all of them right We've, we've got we've been kind of hit and miss on a lot of the shows Right, right. We've uh, we've done all of Loki, WandaVision, um, Hawkeye, Hawkeye, uh, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh yeah, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I love that one. Uh, um, we have not done. What was the last one that came out? Uh, I don't remember. And I think you watched some of the uh, the animated one. What was that? I watched? What if? And what I, if? I watched Miss Marvel, and then we watched uh, She Hulk. Right. Now, Miss Marvel, was that on Disney Plus? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Oh, yes. We watched She-Hulk together. Yeah. So, now, one of the things that we have talked about uh, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, now, we both came into this as fans before we um, started dating. Yeah. Um, But, of course, as a female fan of the Marvel CMU, uh, you kind of get hit with a lot of fanboy drama yeah i'm uh i'm embarrassed sometimes by a lot of that and i won't i won't lie and say i haven't you know had my own fanboy issues with things that's not the way it was in the comics and me 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 me. you know i'm not i'm not gonna ever say i was blameless but the amount of just uh thinly veiled misogyny I don't think it's that thinly veiled. I don't oh, think no, it's there, there out some, in the open. There are some who are really trying to hide behind the oh, this is this is legitimate criticism. And then, <laughs> you know, how come how come the Hulk could could throw a whole car in this movie, but in this movie he couldn't even stop it? <laughs> Ew, they've ruined the Hulk. <laughs> you know, they're 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 trying to make you think that they're doing legitimate criticism and. Um, so much of it just is is not. And look, I wanted to say this kind of before we got started. I want to take this time, even though we're several months behind when all of this was the big news. Look, if you don't like something, if you legitimately, if something doesn't work for you, that's fine. Right. There's no problem with that. There is no law saying you have to be a fan of every entrance in a franchise. I've been introducing you to Star Trek. Yes. I am not a fan of Star Trek Discovery. Right. I'm just not. It just doesn't click with me. Do I berate the people who do enjoy it? No. Do I have some kind of issue with the casting or uh, issues that it's a it's a female uh, black lead actor as the main character? No. It just does not work for me. I have more issues with the fact that they made her a female black lead actor and then immediately made her an ex-con. <laughs> like, I mean... Let's uh, let's talk about that little stereotype. Yeah. But uh, the, the fact and the point is, especially with something as wide as the Marvel Cinematic Universe, with so many different genres that it caters to, you're not going to like every single one that comes down the pike. Especially True. with some of these ones where they're trying to be a little bit more experimental. Right. I mean, there, it's not like you've liked every Marvel outing. No. You know, I think they're above average. I think uh, they're... B minus at at worst. I can't really right. Think. Hawkeye was the Hawkeye series was. I felt like it kind of missed what it could have been. See now that's interesting because I actually really liked the Hawkeye series. I um, thought it was. I thought it was really good. I yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. 
Um, and I know you're not the biggest fans of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Is that right? I like Guardians of the Galaxy. So which ones are your B plus, would you say? Um, my B minus ones, um, boy, now I got to think back to all these different movies. I know. Um, and we'll uh, see to Google MCU. The first, uh, the first Spider-Man outing. With the, the Tom Holland Yeah, version. yeah, uh, Homecoming. I thought it was a mm-hmm. B minus. Um, um, a couple of the Thors, and I like the Thors. Everybody else hates them, but I thought all the Thor movies were pretty good. But the, the point I'm getting at here is, okay, if you didn't like the fact that they took She-Hulk in a more comic direction, a more humorous direction, okay, that's fine. It's okay if you don't necessarily like the direction that it went in. But, folks, let's, like I said, let's get over this whole thing of it ruined this, it ruined that. There were people trying to make the argument that this show ruined the Wrecking Crew. (laughs) All right? This D-list group of supervillain jobbers. And you're whining that it ruined them. But what you and I've talked to other um, comic enthusiasts about this. Um, you were saying when the the film or the series was on that it stays pretty true to the comics. Yeah, like the 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 original She Hulk comic book series did a lot of the things that this one did. It broke the fourth wall. It was a little bit more lighthearted. She mm-hmm. talked directly to the audience and the creators. Um, so yeah, it was pretty true to what they actually did. Right. I don't know if they've done her that way recently. This was back, I think, in the, in the eighties, I believe is when she had the sensational She-Hulk was going. So I don't know if that's still the case. I just like the concept of this, this superhero who is trying to also do non-superhero things, like live their life in a non-superhero way. You know, like that's very, that's a very cool concept to me. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed it. I liked the performances. I liked the characters. I, I, I will say it lost me on the, the season finale. <laughs> I, I did not like the. I just felt like it kind of, it, 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 honestly, they could have broken that up into two episodes and been able to kind of go a little bit farther into it rather than have this whole deus as machina kind of wrap up finish that they did what's weird for me and this is this is kind of maybe flying in the face of what i've been saying is that i I didn't mind that it was a lighter toned show i didn't mind that it was more of a legal drama i didn't mind even that she broke the fourth wall and talked to the audience you know these little winks and everything i kind of like that but when she like literally broke out and went into the quote-unquote real world right it it kind of gave you this feeling like okay none of this matters you know, even though we all know it's a it's a big multi-billion dollar movie studio, it just kind of, I don't know, it, it, it that just didn't work for me. But the, the point is, okay, that didn't work for me for from a creative level, but I don't derive the show for it. Well, there's so many parts of, even, even a more up-to-date and aware entity like the mcu there's so many parts of it that are still behind the times and yeah. sexist i mean ha- took 20 years to get a black widow film yeah you know scarlett johansson put in the work from the beginning from from iron man to kind of you know was that first appearance of black iron widow? man 2 was iron the first man 2 she was in. Like, so it's still like the third movie in the series i mean she has been she was putting in the work for how long and it took how long and then even once she got black widow you know the the whole the studio kind of did her dirty you yeah. know in the long run and and she ended up having to take them to court you know and then you've got uh miss marvel which I thought was a or uh, Captain Marvel, which I thought was a great film. Oh yeah, and it got all kinds of shade. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah. So and and then of course you know now you now you not only throw the sexes, then you throw the racists into it when Miss mm-hmm. Marvel comes out and people suddenly have all these issues with that one. Right, but in the yeah. comics, isn't Miss Marvel Muslim? Yes, in the current Miss that Marvel was the whole is, point of her. Is Muslim? Well, not the whole point, but it was. 
you know, that was part of their initiative to kind of bring uh, diversity. Yeah, bring comics. diversity into a yeah. genre which does not have a lot, let's be honest. And she was nice. a very popular character. I, I I honestly have never read any of her books, to be to be completely honest, one hundred percent, you know. Um what's the word? Transparent. Transparent, thank you. Um but I thought the show was very charming. And one of the things I liked about the show is we, we as a Western society, we are given very little representation mm-hmm. of uh, Arab culture right? in our popular culture. We don't see a lot of it on TV. And here they went into a lot of it. So you saw a different side to the Muslim people than just the terrorists there or the accused terrorists they're portrayed as as, right yeah in in action shows so it was like what is the problem here and i mean honestly like when you look at the world as a whole which when you look at entertainment now you can't look at it as the united states you have to look at the world as a whole and i'm sorry to tell you this people but caucasians are the minority you know like and Christianity is not even the majority religion. And the most parts of the world, things like Islam are um, much more popular than uh, than things like Christianity. So, you know, uh, being able to open up and, you know, see other representation in movies like this is really important. Yeah, it, it is. And I don't see like, okay, like the only, the only real criticism I can throw at the Miss Marvel TV show is that it, it had the same problem that a lot of the MCU TV shows tend to have. And that is in the middle, it feels like they're really stretching right. for material. They have yeah. a storyline they're going with. They have a, uh, a conflict they're working on, but then they're like, well, this isn't a two hour movie. It's six hour long or half hour long episodes. We got to yeah. stretch this out and, ha- and make sure each one of these episodes has a beginning, middle and end. Right. You know, and I really think WandaVision is probably the only one that didn't struggle with that. I think you're right. I, I think yeah. WandaVision is the only one that really, and I loved Loki and I still think that. Yeah. That issue but there. I think a lot of them have that issue somewhere around the middle is mm-hmm. they start, they right. start, they're, they're stretching to kind of right <laughs> to, to reach the quota there. But yeah, I think that's what you, you know, what you started off talking about here with the, the fanboy. I think, you know, when I see these criticisms from these, you know, fanboy type of people, I tend to think that it's not the majority because it can't be the majority. The MCU is making billions of yeah, dollars. Exactly. You know, and so just because you're the loudest doesn't mean that you actually have the right idea yeah. or that you're actually right about what you're talking about. I mean, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, they complained, like you said, uh, they, they were throwing shade at Captain Marvel and that made over a billion dollars. So mm-hmm. clearly right? somebody was seeing it. Well, and what, what did you just tell me about um, Zoe Saldana the other day? Oh yeah. The, she is the, I think she's the first actor to appear in four movies that have grossed over Over a billion billion dollars. Right. And she's a mixed race, I believe. Yeah. So yeah, I mean to have that kind and, and half of those films were Marvel films. Right. So, I mean, to be able to have that kind of legacy for a woman of color, like, I'm sorry, fanboys, your day is over. You can keep shouting all you want, but you know, you're that goat screaming in the paddock. Can't actually do anything about it. Yeah. And I, all right, I'm going to, this this is the, this is the message I want to send out to fellow white comic, white cis, whatever. Cishet. Cishet. I like to say. The white cishet comic book. Yeah. So I want to send this message out. All right. To all y'all. So please listen. This is very important. Look, I get it. Especially ones around my age. We are we have been used to whether you acknowledge it or not, the entertainment industry has been built around our view. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that gets very comfortable. Right. Let me give you an example. A few years ago, my favorite comic book character, Tim Drake, the third Robin. Mm-hmm. They decided that they were going to make Robin a bisexual. They were going to make Tim Drake bi. 
which he never was in during the time I was reading the comics. And I had, admittingly, a hard time coming to terms with that. Not because I had some issue with bi people, but because I felt like this character who I had always related to was no longer being designed to relate to me. And do you know what? That's okay. <laughs> because I'm a 44-year-old man. <laughs> okay? These are comic books. They're designed to relate to young people. So why then should not the bi community have a superhero they can relate to in the same way I had a hero I could relate to? Right. Okay? I get it, folks. We're not the center of the universe anymore. (laughs) And that can be scary. And it can feel like you're being shoved out. And you know what? In a way, we are being shoved out. And that's fine. Because other people need to have that platform. Right. If you have, and what really pisses me off about all this is not only does this shit all over comic book fandom, which I am a huge fan of, it shits all over criticism, Mm -hmm. which I take very seriously as an amateur, former YouTube and now podcast film critic. (laughs) If you are going to try to uh, create actual criticism or something, don't use that as an excuse for your bullshit homophobic, racist, sexist ideas. Mm-hmm. It cheapens everyone. And then you get idiots who listen to go, oh, that's actual film criticism. No, it's fucking not. No. All right? No, film no it is not. not. Film criticism is not centered around what you feel like representation should be. Film criticism, like in its rawest, purest form, is just about the craft and the art itself. But race doesn't enter into it. Now, when you're talking about the presentation of it to public and the consumption of it by the media, that's where we need representation. That's where we need. Um, that's where we need to see diversity. Yes, mm-hmm. and and again, I want to stress this doesn't. This also does not mean. Please do not take this to mean that the opposite is true, and that you're not allowed to not like things. Right. You are perfectly free to not like a choice, to not like a performance, to not like a film, its themes, anything like that, its aesthetic. You are perfectly within your rights to not like something. But if that is the case then you need something more to back up that argument than simply, <laughs> this isn't the way I thought it was going to be. Maybe give it, give it, give it, give it, give it. All right? So there we are. That's that's my rant. I've been, uh, we've been, I've been waiting right. for us to handle a Marvel movie to kind of talk about this. But that's well, that's my. I tend to think of the um, a wiser person than me talked about. You know, when you're used to having privilege and you're used to having all of the representation, sharing the spotlight can seem like you are losing your rights, like you are losing your place, and that's not the case. You know, you're talking about being able to see a comic book character that's bisexual. You know, growing up bisexual in the '80s and '90s. And never seen that represented, you know, even when you, when we started to see queer characters, bisexual characters were not represented. And then, I mean, even today, there's still problematic representation, you know? Um, And so having, having queer kids being teachers of queer kids or members of that alphabet mafia, you know, you kind of really want to see that those kids have the chance to see themselves in the movies. It's like all those little girls, all the little black girls who are watching the aerial trailer. Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, that just, does that not just make you, yeah. Open yeah, up your it heart? does. <laughs> and the, and the big question that always comes to my mind is like, okay, so they're getting their representation. Oh my God, you're not. Who cares? Right. You mm-hmm. have the original. Go mm-hmm. watch the original if it's that damn important to you. Right. You know, like, <laughs> let them have it. And I saw a, a 
I wish I could think of her name right now. There was a brilliant TikToker who's talking about, you know, um, hair and how we feel about hair and how it represents us in the media. And, you know, there's this whole debate about brunettes on TikTok right now. But one of the things that she said was like, maybe they don't look everything like you, but that is a person who has brown hair and you have brown hair. You can relate to that person. Maybe that that's a person who likes jeans with holes in them and you like jeans with holes in them. That's something you can relate to. It doesn't have to be a carbon copy of you yeah. to find representation. Yeah. That's, so. that's the other, that's an excellent point. That's a really excellent point to bring up is that, you know, it also speaks to a severe lack of humanity or compassion that even if someone is, a character is not the same race as you, religion, gender, sexual orientation. You still can't find something to relate to them on a human level. I am not a teenage Muslim girl living in New York. <laughs> as the Wait, you're not? I am not. Oh, I, know. I, I have been I you, have been fooled. You've been duped. <laughs> Steve. Steve. <laughs> Rebecca, Rebecca, I've been dubbed. Anyway, um, and yet I could still watching that Miss Marvel show. I can relate to the things she was going through: the not wanting to uh, disappoint your parents, to just trying to survive high school. Mm -hmm. I can remember those things. Right. You know, you can still find common ground, people. And if you're so unwilling to do that. Yeah. I feel genuinely sorry yeah, for you. Yeah, that's a you problem, not mm -hmm. a them problem. So, All right, so speaking of all of that, what are we reviewing today, uh, We darling? are going to be taking a look at Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. Uh, before we do, do that... these names get longer. They longer. do. Yeah. They do. Uh, before we get into that, though, we did notice one thing before we sat down to record. Uh, we have our first Spotify follower. Yes, we've got a Spotify follower. Hi, follower. Yay! Welcome to the crew. We, We're so glad to have you. We, we don't know who you are. It won't tell us. Um, I have, we have our guesses. We're yes. theorizing. Yes. Um, but thank you so much. That means that means the world to us. It's <laughs> wonderful to have you on board, and uh, we hope you enjoy the show and. You know, spread the word. So yeah, so exactly. just want, just wanted to give a shout out to that person. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so thanks. Uh, so yeah, you ready to talk? Yeah. talk Ant Man. Let's talk Ant Man. Let's do it. Okay, so do we really? I don't know that we really need to go into the backstory. No, I don't. I mean, I, I don't think there. so at this stage of the game. I mean, right. Now, I will say one thing that I have loved about the MCU is that you have such good differentiation between the movies of each character. Yeah. You know, like an Iron Man movie is going to be totally different than the Black Widow movie, which kind of presented as a better Bond film than the last several Bond yes, films have very been. Much so. You know, and so an Ant-Man movie, what would you say is a defining feature of an Ant-Man movie. Uh, the Ant-Man films, they're, uh, at least from the beginning, from the first one, they have kind of portrayed themselves as really stylized heist movies. Right. You know, I don't know I if this one really that. falls into that. No, I think this one goes in a different direction. We'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but that was always kind of, and even the second one, which I don't remember a whole lot about the second one, I'm sad to say. It's not one I rewatch that that'd be another one i probably would have placed in the b minus category of good but not incredibly rememberable do you know memorable not rememberable <laughs> i speak I, good english i think that it is probably you know it's kind of had so many similarities to the first one that mm. it's kind of hard to differentiate between yeah. the two um but yes i would call maybe an oceans 11 type of humor driven heist movie yeah you know, I think that would be pretty fair. Yeah, that was that's the personality, that's the flavor, that's the, right. the tone that the that these films have. And have I all feel kind of like added. that's kind of where this started, but then it kind of veered into Star Wars prequel territory. Yeah, like that is the vibe I just kept getting. Uh, me too. <laughs> like visually the 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 animation the world even some of the the, the creatures they meet right like, now to be fair 
better than the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> yes, by a lot. Like, good version of Star Wars prequels, but still, like the cantina? Yeah. The... They're not really aliens. They're but, like quantum. Life I mean, but they're in another. They're in another quote unquote universe. I right. guess they are kind of aliens, really. Yes. Um. Okay. But before we get too much into that, just you know, for uh, for those who don't know, which <laughs> um, so this film picks up uh, however many years after Endgame. Scott is enjoying kind of a pseudo retirement. Right. You know, he's not he's not actively ant manning. As much, he's doing a little here and there, but he's... Well, the Avengers aren't really existing in the same format anymore. Yeah, and he, he's... Uh, his whole thing is he's trying to take some time off and, you know, be the parent to his daughter, Cassie, who is now a teenager. Right. Um, because he was gone for the five years that he was trapped in the, in the quantum realm. So he's trying to reestablish that relationship. Cassie is rebelling because that's what teenage characters do in movies right <laughs> but rebelling in a way that she's not really rebelling she's kind of being the optimal version of her dad yeah you know it's being very socially justice driven which i tend to see very heavily in you know the the generation z yeah you know i feel like my kids are generation z i feel like that that's this is the generation that's gonna just kind of change the way the world works and i think uh that i feel like she was a pretty good representation of that um so at any rate um she's been doing some science experiments behind his back working with uh hank once again played by michael douglas yep. um and uh, hope and, played by evangeline lily and uh and um Michelle Pfeiffer playing uh, Jan Janet. Um, mm -hmm. And so Cassie and Hank have been doing these experiments into the quantum realm without anyone else knowing. They send a signal down into the quantum realm. And before you can say convenient plot twist, all of our main characters are sucked into the quantum realm. Right. Uh, where, as you may recall, Michelle Pfeiffer's character spent 30 years trapped and her past becomes comes back to haunt her as he is looking for her. Not he's... him. Oh, no. He's going to find you. <laughs> Every now and then, I guess, uh, for some of these movies, I get the feeling. I, I just hear the guy from Cinema Sins going through my head. You know, they play the pronoun game. Ding! But <laughs> uh, what was fun is that it kind of just kind of reads as like a family adventure movie yeah it bit, did you know? yeah it felt like this one kind of like I say it kind of goes out of the realm of the oceans 11 heist movie and more into the fantastic family right. adventure you know dumb the special effects down by about 30 <laughs> years and you could have seen this being the um, land before um what's it called the land of the lost, land of or, the lost or like, yeah. a, or like a, a cheesier disney <laughs> live action film starring Haley Mills. The Swiss family. Yeah. What's their last name? Robinson. No, I know oh, that the one. Oh, the Swiss family Lang. Lang yeah, Prim. the Swiss family. <laughs> Langpin. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so. Which, it actually, now that you mentioned it, we haven't seen this one, but it does bear a striking resemblance to that Strange World movie Disney That's put true. out. At least That's from true. the visuals I've seen. So, I mean, we've explored space. We've explored the mythical realms. You know, what What was the next one? We're going to go super tiny. We're going to go into the underworld, the the tiny version, the quantum realm, you know? Can I ask you a question? This sure. Is, this, is, this is a stupid question about all this. Did that fact, the fact that we're in the quantum realm, that we're that's because we're shrunk down so right. small, at any time do you feel like that, uh, lessened the stakes of this film? Not to me. Okay. But I grew up on Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, because <laughs> just every so often uh, during this film, I was like, you know, this whole problem could be taken care of with one thumbprint. Oh my gosh. <laughs> just like, yep, and there we go. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> could all the who's in whoville exactly. you know but like we Little don't want to kill them all off jeez Maybe you don't anyways <laughs> uh so yes yeah, so they're in that 
quantum realm, which, like we said, is a striking resemblance to Star Wars worlds. Yeah, Star Wars Episode One especially looks right. very similar. Well, they're they're driving around on these amoebas, yeah. which are very much like the the spaceship cars that yeah. they had, and they're living. But what I loved is that there's this whole biological twist on everything. You know, um, the <laughs> the buildings, you know, the building, at one point they're like, your buildings are alive and the, the quantum realm person is like, yours are dead. It's like, yeah, I guess that. Yeah, the people. Kind of makes sense. Well, what's interesting to me, and I, I didn't realize it until you were looking up the cast list, is that uh, the one thing that you do kind of feel in this film, especially what kind of separates it from the the other ant-man films like you said this is more of the family right adventure so therefore a lot of the great um side characters their supporting cast are not present yes but all true. the actors are actually in it doing voices for the various not all of them but a lot of them yes yeah. so like uh david Des. oh i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher his name and i'm terribly sorry uh david desmalchian um plays this <laughs> i loved him he's the jar jar binks of the of the movie but he plays this goo guy named veb who's obsessed with holes yeah how many holes people how have because people he doesn't have any and you're obsessed with what you don't have which is why you're so obsessed with boobs anyway wow that came out of nowhere <laughs> so <laughs> okay then <laughs> but still listening people uh but yes having um Having these side characters as voices was a great way to keep them. Kind yeah, of, but but I I, I I did kind of miss Michael Pena's character. Yeah, you know I missed yeah. that. I missed him a lot. But anyway, um, um, but yes, there were some great characters in this. I thought, like, did you have more summarizing to do? By the way, no, that was okay. Much okay, it. That okay. Was okay. Much it. No, that was it. So we got distracted by the cat meowing. Sorry, sorry about that. Um. So in addition to our main cast, Catherine Newton, Evangeline Lilly, Paul Rudd, of course, looking exactly the same what as the, he ever has. What the like, hell kind of deal has he struck what, with the devil? Seriously, like, God, send me a copy. Um, but then, of course, Michelle Pfeiffer also yeah also still looking deal. phenomenal you know we talked about diane keaton not long ago yeah and diane keaton and michelle pfeiffer are not that far apart in age but the way that they represent are represented in movies yeah so like way different. different diane keaton you got to get yourself some of these michelle pfeiffer roles okay um so then of course michael douglas uh, but also Jonathan Majors. Yeah, so Jonathan Majors, um, and this is this is kind of the big thing. I'm, I'm assuming everyone's seen the movie by now, so these are going to be spoilers. Uh, so Jonathan Majors makes his on-screen debut as the next Avengers big bad Kang the Conqueror. Right, which, I mean, he... he was at the end of Loki. He did appear at the end of Loki, but this is his first in-costume Full statement of principle. This is our next Thanos. Right. And um, damn. Yeah, he did a great job. He was great. Like, there's a reason Jonathan Majors is all over the place right I know. Now. I can't wait to see him in Creed. So, can't yeah. Wait. No, he did a phenomenal he job. Was, yeah, he was really good. And charming, but also not charming. Devious, mm -hmm. but also charismatic. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um. So what did you think of Kang as a villain? This, well, this is the only issue that I have with Kang as a villain. I think that him in this film was interesting. My issue is that I get that overwhelmed feeling about him. Like the in the universe as a whole, like how they're going to have to do some crazy, stupid thing to get rid of Kang the Conqueror. And I'm not sure how they do that. Yeah, because that's that's kind of my thing too. Uh, performance wise, outstanding. Oh yeah, Jonathan Majors, no notes. Yeah, I don't know how. <laughs> in case you were waiting for Brandon Lawrence's notes on your performance, yeah. none. No notes. Um, <laughs> but um, it's, uh, yeah, I can't think of another person who could have played no, that as well as um, he did. But 
and I, I've been a little concerned. This is hard. This is one of also the hard things about reviewing a Marvel film, especially this deep into it. It's very hard to review these as individual films, right? Because you're always like, well, how is this going to work in the next one going forward? Mm -hmm. um, the upside is, I feel one of the things a lot of people have had issue with a lot of the Marvel projects over the last couple of years is there hasn't been that unifying force. You know, in the first phase of it, or the first couple phases, it was all about Thanos and the Infinity Stones, and that was always there yeah. in some way, shape, or form, tying all these films together. So you had an idea of where they were going. And I think one issue a lot of people have had post-Endgame, especially with all the TV shows and all this, is, yeah, we've gotten some new things introduced, the multiverse, right? you know, the idea that there are other you know, copies of people out there, other versions. Um, but there, it, it hasn't felt like there has been a unifying theme or threat tying them all together. So now we have that. Right. We've got now, now we know that all roads are going to lead to Kang. Right. Um, the problem I have is that Kang is just such a convoluted right. villain. Well, I remember, I don't know, I cannot remember if they represented Kang in the Avengers cartoons in the 90s. I think I, they did. I know Modoc was there. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't, and they kind of got off the wall. Yeah. Of course, in cartoons, you can do whatever the F you want. Like, yeah. Like, but anyway, let's talk about Modoc. Let's talk about Modoc. I think, <laughs> personally, besides Veb, one of the best parts of this movie was Modoc. Yes, I I agree. And um, Modoc is one of those villains that you kind of you're like, how are they going to? You know, they're going to get to eventually. For those right. who don't know, he's a giant freaking head. He's just a giant head with little baby arms and little baby legs, and he rides around on a super duper like helmet, spear helmet. Yeah. Like he is a He's one of those characters that you know, because again, comic books being a visual medium, they're just like, what's the weirdest thing we can draw? Right. And come up with it. And you're always like, how are you going to translate something like that to film? And, and they did. <coughs> and they did in a way that I would not have thought would have worked. I I would say I'm, I was genuinely surprised right? <laughs> at the reveal. So again, spoiler alert for all those who yeah. who haven't seen it. Um, uh, the look of him, first of all, is great. Right. They do a great job, you know, translating like this the best. stretched face thing yeah, with best, the again. baby arms and, like, but... and that tiny little butt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the Midoc butt shot was necessary. Oh, I do. It was perfect. Kind of like I don't know if the Dr. Manhattan dick shot in Watchmen was necessary. But anyway. This was way more necessary. Yeah, but anyway, uh, when they reveal it, it's. Darian Cross from the first movie, the yellow like jacket. Corey Stoll. Yeah. Okay. And I love Corey Stoll because Corey Stoll was on a very short, the shortest lived of the Law and Orders, Law and Order Los Angeles. He had a mustache and he was a detective. Corey Stoll was on uh, Law and Order Los Angeles, um, which I watched all the episodes because I'm a Law and Order freak. Yep. Um, and then so to be able to like to see him in things like this, yeah. I love it. So and I, I, I just love what they did with him. They really like it was really, really great. Like I, I we won't spoil that because it's honestly no, I, like I, the best I, part of the movie. And also there's like so much great that happened with him. It's hard to like, Right. We count it all. You're like, mm -hmm. you're like, oh, this was awesome. You know, this, this just it. It's one of those things that the Marvel Cinematic Universe does so well. You um, know that it really their side characters. Yeah, I love their and side bringing characters. their side characters back and mm -hmm. reinventing them. And you know, well, and one of the other side characters, uh, will um was Quaz, played by William Jackson Harper who a lot of people recognize from the Good Place fame. And recently he was on a Peacock series, The Resort, I think. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's like, I thought he was great, too. Like, yeah. his, his little tele telepathy I thing. Felt, um, I felt like a lot of the smaller characters, mm -hmm. the side characters, they all kind of 
ran together a little bit for me. Oh, see, no, you know, I thought I they don't, were very different. I didn't. I didn't feel like a lot of them had distinctive personalities. And again, this is this is the problem with reviewing a film like this is because because it's part of this larger thing, right? Like within this own, its own movie, yes. But then you think it's like, oh, these are kind of the Ant Man version of the guys from Thor Ragnarok. Okay, true. I don't you know? remember those guys. And so. you're like, and you think they're just another batch of wacky side characters without a whole lot of individual personality that separates them from the other wacky sidekicks we've seen in all of these other movies. I and don't that, know. This was the first time that they talked about holes this much. Uh, I mean, that is true, but I mean, <laughs> if, if you want to be known as the hole guy, but I guess you got to be known for something. But okay, so I did, I loved him. Uh, funnily enough, the side character that I really kind of appreciated the least was probably Lord Krylor, played by Bill Murray. Yeah. It was kind of, I don't know, I'm similar to Diane Keaton, I feel like Bill Murray has gotten into this place of Bill Murray, and that's just all he does now. Well, it's, it's one of those things where, and again, I'm getting a lot of Thor Ragnarok flashbacks from mm-hmm. this one. Because it, it's kind of a, a lesser version of the Jeff Goldblum. No, we're not going to besmirch the name of Jeff I'm Goldblum. I'm not besmirching the name of Jeff Goldblum. I am simply saying that the character that Bill Murray plays is kind of the the watered down version of that. This is a character that you could have gotten any older actor comedian in Hollywood to play, and it's mm-hmm. just here is Bill Murray for a Bill Murray cameo. Like it has no real weight on the rest of the film i just don't know if bill murray can do anything else anymore uh yeah i i i'd be sub- i would like to see it um i am a you know snl girl i've loved groundhog day so i'd love to see bill murray do something a little stretchier but i did so i liked william jackson herper um there's an actor named katie o'brien who I've been following her career since she was on an episode of The Rookie a couple of years ago. Um, I like to see that kind of res- representation. Like, let's, she's a out lesbian, um, tends to be a more mask lesbian, and you know, I like to see representation and diversity in uh, in our films. So, so, well, so we've talked a lot about the. Uh, Side characters. The side characters. Let's talk. Let's talk about some of the main characters. We're gonna we're gonna take a, a breather here for a second, and when we come back, we'll dive into the side the the main characters who make up the majority of this film. So be right back. Okay, so let's talk main characters. Okay. Of course, Paul Rudd. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say about Paul Rudd other than he's Paul Rudd and he's. He's Paul Ruddiful. He's so <laughs> Ruddiful. He's Ruddiful. I mean, there was, I mean, there's like much with Jonathan Majors. No one else could have done Ant Man like Paul Rudd. Like the casting in the MCU is just spot on for these yeah. characters. Like, so. Well, especially, I'm, I'm going to. I can't say I was ever a huge Ant-Man guy, and I don't know if Ant-Man ever really had much of a, of a run of comics outside of the Avengers, if he ever had his own standalone or anything. Um, but especially with a character like Scott Lang, which doesn't have kind of the baggage of, like, Peter Parker or even Steve Rogers. There's not a huge... Um, not a massive fan base for a character like that. So you, you're free to do a lot more with him and kind of mold him mm-hmm. to be something new. And I think other, like I say, I think other people could have played Ant-Man, but no one could have played this Ant-Man. And right. I, I like this Ant-Man. I like him. I like him a lot. Right. I don't know that they thought they would get three movies out of Ant-Man. Yeah. The beginning I don't, of this, I don't think, you know? You know. Um, but yeah, he was... Uh, he's been reliably phenomenal in this role. And I think he also understands the assignment. Right. You know, he understands that the Ant-Man films have kind of, I don't want to say they're less important than the rest of the MCU, but they've always been kind of the breather films. 
Yes. They usually come out after a huge event. Right. You know, after like so I think the first one came out after um Age of Ultron. So that was a huge thing. So you needed kind of to, to breathe a little. The second one came out after Infinity War. Right. You know, so they've kind of been the palate cleansers, these breath of fresh air after, you know, a huge event film. So this is the first one that's ever had the responsibility of kind of being that stepping stone of kind Although of... I don't, I don't know that that's entirely true because we're introduced into the quantum realm and the concept of the alternative universes in an Ant-Man film. True. So even though they're okay, they're, they're like, those episodes of Buffy, like uh, what Tabula Rasa, which came right before seeing Red, you know, like mm. we're going to have this funny movie or funny episode where everybody forgets who they are. And then we're going to kill off a beloved character in the next episode. Yeah. You or, know, or, you know, uh, you, here's another nerd, uh, nerd comparison. Uh, it's like, uh, introducing the Dominion from Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, they introduced them in a Ferengi episode, right? You know, in one of the one of the comic episodes, this kind of throwaway line of "We're just members of the Dominion," and then mm -hmm. that what that ballooned into, right? And that's kind of what the Ant Man films are. Like they're, they're they're the Ferengi episodes of the MCU. They're fun and funny, but they have a very specific purpose. That is a building block of the other episodes yeah you know um but anyway and so paul rudd seems to have always kind of understood that was his his role in this right and he he he's had a lot of fun with it and he's still having a lot of and i like the change to scott's character because mm -hmm. you can't have him be the irresponsible thief for the the, right. the happy-go-lucky robin hood forever you know i like I like, especially in the the relationship with Cassie, right? That the generation gap and the main source of conflict here is that she is trying to, you know, like you say, she's trying to fight for social justice, and she wants him to get involved with all this. And you know, she she burns him at one time, you know, right. saying just because it's not happening to you, it doesn't mean it's not happening. Yeah. And he, mm -hmm. from his perspective, is like, I freaking disappeared for five years. Right. I fought aliens. I <laughs> saved the world. I'm allowed to take a break and just be a father. Right. You know? So it's it's an understandable conflict. Right. I mean, it's a relatable conflict. Now, they changed the Cassies with this. Yeah, because we had a different Cassie from Endgame. Well, they've been different cat. Yeah, so... The Cassie in the first two was, was the little girl. Was the little girl, and then the jump in Endgame, we, they had to get an older actress. Yeah, and then they they brought this young lady in, Catherine Newton. Yeah, Catherine Newton, and... which is coincidentally my aunt Katie's actual name. Really, Catherine Newton. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. interesting. So, anyways, uh, so Catherine Newton came in. She's a little bit older i think than the last actress so you know not quite as many union roles there but she's also um a little more experienced i believe she was in big little lies um the society uh what was it that you said you saw her in freaky was she in Fre was freaky she yes was freaky that, that was a fun movie yes um and blockers like she's been she's she's been around a little bit she's got a little bit more experience yeah um, um so yeah so she she is our new cassie lang um what'd you think of her what do you think of, of cassie as a character i think that like i said before like she is a pretty good representation of generation z she wants so much to help the people around her whereas scott is more focused on his family and helping the people he's close to and cassie wants to make a difference to the world at large um, <laughs> i 
I just got that. <laughs> uh, but that was a weird laugh. I just did too. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. Um, I think that the kind of learning about your daughter and like the thing that she's hiding behind her back is that she's kind of a badass superhero in training when you're also kind of a badass superhero is kind of interesting. I don't know. I, I enjoyed their relationship. What did you think? Um, I enjoyed their relationship. I'm, I'm going to be interesting. Interesting. I'm you're going, going to be interesting. I'm going to be interesting. Inter- let's, let's see. You be I am. I'm going to be interesting sometime in the future. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be interested to see kind of what they do with her going forward. Right. Because kind of like I was talking about with the side characters giving me very Thor Ragnarok vibes, she was giving me very uh, Haley Steinfeld in Hawkeye vibes. Mm. And eventually, they've, they've got to be building to this, but eventually the young Avengers are going to get together. Right. Because so. they've been setting them up for a while. So when Kate Bishop interacts with uh, Cassie Lang, I want to see how those two characters are actually different from one another because they they kind of sound the same. They kind of look the same. Hmm. Both their costumes are purple. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, so it's like, I think she was a decent character here. But kind of like everything about this film, I, I'm curious as to how the aspects and the characters and the personalities are going to interact with all these other things when they come up. And again, maybe that's not a fair way to view these movies, but it's the way these movies have trained us to view them. So it's right. hard not to. Well, I gotta think, you know, there is a certain lack of diversity there. You know, but like, we we do have some similarities between stature is who she becomes, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Hawkeye girl. What's her name? Hawkeye. Oh, so she's just Hawkeye. Yeah, she becomes the new Hawkeye. So stat- there are some similarities there. At least we have a little bit of difference with America, you know, yeah. um, America Chavez. Well, and they'll be so... bringing, they're most likely going to bring Patriot in who's black. Which one's Patriot? Patriot. Have we met Patriot? We have met the the character who will become Patriot in Hawk in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. He was the 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 Black Captain America's grandson. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. So he'll he'll become he should be coming in. So and yeah, uh, we got to be getting that that second season pretty soon. Well, they're doing another movie. Oh right. They're doing Captain America four. So yes, with Mister Man. As the lead. Yeah. With, former Falcon. Yeah, with Sam. Um, what is his name? Anthony not, Mackie. There we go. Not Sam Elliott. No. What am I thinking? Yes, with Sam Elliott as the lead. Yeah. <laughs> I was the Falcon. Now I'm the. Now I'm Captain what an America. interesting Captain America that, that would be. You know what? I wouldn't question it. You don't question anything Sam Elliott does. I question does. nothing Sam Elliott does. If Sam Elliott wanted to give you a mustache ride, you wouldn't question it. On that ph- phenomenal mustache, you better believe I wouldn't question it. <laughs> don't pretend like you would either. <laughs> but, don't throw me under the bus here. You would be like, yes, sir, Mr. Mustache. So we have, so what, how did you feel about Hope Van Dyne in this one? Or um, Hope Van Dyne? Yeah, it's Hope Van Dyne. Right. I honestly... To be completely, completely honest, for a movie called Ant-Man and the Wasp, I almost completely forgot she was there. I know. She had nothing really to do. I wonder if they kind of kept her on the low-low because Evangeline Lilly's been pretty controversial the last couple of years. It's possible. You know, so I'm wondering if that was part of it. Um, Maybe just I don't make know. her seem as likable as possible, and don't give her too many chances to or say something just, dumb. If just, uh, I, I applaud them for trying to do a shared billing thing, but it's it's been Ant Man's, Scott Lang's. Well, I think Ant-Man, I think the second one was Ant Man and the Wasp too. Yeah, it was, so. but it, but from it's it's been Scott Lang's. Right, like like Hope had the big arc in the last one because they were trying to find her mother. Right, and now that she's back, 
it now switches back to Scott and trying to form the relationship with his daughter, who he's missed five years of her life. Well, I do so, think that they did give her some stuff to do, but I think that they kept it pretty, like I said, on the low, low. Yeah. So, so maybe that was it. Maybe that's why I, I can't say yay or nay to that, but right. it just, it did feel like she's like, and she's here too. <laughs> it's like, it's like I it's Gilligan's that. Island and she's the professor and Marianne. I think they gave Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Douglas much more interesting roles. Yeah, exactly. You always yeah. like, it was like, you know, with Ant Man and Cassie too, do, 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 <laughs> with Hank Pym and his wife Pen. and and the rest. You know, she's and the rest. Uh, you know, uh, um, that was good. Thank you. I was pretty proud of that. Wife. Um, uh, but yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer's role in this, with the exception of, okay, dude. You've been sucked back into the universe. It's time to let go of your secrets now. I know that was, that was something that drove me on. crazy. Like, I hate when movies do that. It's not like she's, you know, not talking to her superhero daughter and mad scientist brilliant, you know, former superhero husband. Right. Like I think they can handle yeah your your information here yeah because they, they get sucked in the quantum realm and right away way she's like oh oh no and they're like what's going on he's like i'll, I'll tell you later don't ask questions like nothing. no it's nothing and what's worse is like okay when normally when a character in a superhero movie does that it's because they did something horrible they don't want everyone to know about she didn't do anything no not it's yeah. like nothing terrible it's like okay we're here you need to tell us about Kang the Conqueror instead of doing the pronoun game with everybody. Right. It's him. He's he, coming. We have to like, avoid him. It's like I mean, and you know, trigger warning, pardon the reference to she who we do not read anymore, but uh it was it was it was giving very, you know, he who must not be named by Yeah, very, very much. And it was just, yeah, I but it's uh but I, yeah. yeah that annoyed me but, but michelle pfeiffer michelle pfeiffer 64 years old and she's doing this and mm. and michael douglas is nearly 80 but we should not be surprised because kirk douglas did stuff until yeah almost you know, until the day he died basically so like that that douglas gene pool is yeah. that is some strong stuff right there you know, here's a little little something <laughs> we've been ragging on the film a little bit you know, kind of going back to that whole thing about um it being a family adventure film right one of the things i loved was a minor little touch but when they were doing when they were opening up the film and they were all having dinner um cassie calls hank grandpa yeah yeah even though he biologically he is not her no, grandfather and didn't really I, come into her life until she was 10 or 11 yeah and i don't think mm -hmm. i i don't i don't believe the two of them that scott and hope got married in between films i don't believe no. they said that but that's the family unit that they have right set up and i thought i thought that was a nice a nice little touch. Well, and did you notice when uh, Cassie's in jail, Hope is there too? Like yeah. Hope and Scott. Yeah, go to bail her out. Yeah. yeah. So it was nice, nice kind of family representation of a blended family. Blended family, you mm -hmm. know. And I, uh, you know, now that we are a blended family, that's I. We are what, family smoothie. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all bananas. <laughs> Buy our merch. <laughs> I guess that's better than penises, I suppose. <laughs> that can be taken several ways, and that's what she said. But um, ching. Um, ching. Okay. Um, uh, so, so, but yeah, Michael Douglas is yeah. great in this. I loved him with his little like steering the ship all over the place yeah. and his brilliant ants and yeah, I love. I kind of loved it. And like actually, actually brilliant, super enhanced insect ants, not the ones from the. The, insur focus. the insurance commercial oh. <laughs> expired 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 that would have been a whole different movie right imagine <laughs> like the quantum realm is just descended upon by like all of these aunties like, <laughs> oh and they're half of them are italian aunties so. how are you gonna keep this this whole palace warm <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sticking my hands in there. I don't know where you've been. Drink the ooze. I'm not drinking the ooze. Drink, 
Okay, honey, I brought you some lasagna. You're too skinny. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else thinks that we're funny, but I think we're hilarious. I mean, uh, I, uh, one subscriber does. Uh, I hope. Let's hope we don't come back next time. Like zero, ah, they, zero subscribers. They, they're like, well, enough of that. I would not Click. stop talking in that accent. <laughs> Anyways, so uh yes i loved hank in this and and yeah i i while it did seem like give some serious uh star wars prequel prequel vibes it wasn't in a bad way like the creatures were pretty cool the broccoli headed guy yeah was pretty cool you know the um Veb, the liquidy amorphous creature. I just like that he was constantly wanting to know about how many holes. How many holes do you have? <laughs> yes, I that, love that. That was your favorite part. And I love Katie O'Brien as this badass mm. warrior lady. And so, and the visuals were really beautiful. Yeah, all right. Like, so, what do you think, honey? Should we uh, should we wrap it up? Yeah. See, this is the thing when we do these bigger budget ones. Is there's sometimes a lot more to talk about. I know. I know love and care any people. I know we talked for over an hour on this one, but didn't give seriously <laughs> read the same time. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I know we gave seriously read pretty close to yeah, the same but time. We, okay. I, I know that you're still mad that I didn't give love and care any yeah. that same longevity <laughs> of, of um, analyzation. So I'm sorry, but this is the way it is. All right, but yes, let's wrap this up because we've been at this for a while. Um, so, uh, final grade for you, my love, for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Media. You know, you said before we got, we went to break about, you know, the titles. Do you prefer these longer titles or do you prefer the two, three, four titling system? You know, my, my issue is like, I, they just get so long and it brings So like I've, I've said many times, I'm a law and order freak and there was a showrunner on Law and Order that when a season came, the titles had to have that many letters in it. So in season 13, the titles had to have 13 letters. And in season 15, the titles had to have 15 letters. And Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is given that vibe right there. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> they're sounds... trying to fit a quota. You don't have to hit all of the letters in it the alphabet. It sounds like a, a lower rung pay-per-view it does quantum mania well i think that they could have see like i feel like they should have just called black panther wakanda forever just wakanda forever and i want that so that you can be right about the title and i feel like with this one they could have just called it quantum mania you know but i don't know uh that's just my two cents anyhow uh i feel like I feel like Quantumania, as I will now refer to it. Um, I I'm gonna go with an A minus mm. because still not how I feel about Evangeline and Lily, mm-hmm. and I should have gotten more quas. But other than that, pretty good. So I'm going to say A minus, room for improvement. Wow. Okay. Boy, I, I'm sure the students would much rather have had you as their teacher than me because I, I am. I know they I would am have. now. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, and for a movie, I want to clear, I enjoyed this movie. Yes. I, we had a good time. It was a fun date night. We had, mm-hmm. a, we had a good time doing it. Um, seeing the movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's Watch another, what you're saying there, sir. That's another podcast. Oh my gosh, we're not doing that podcast. <laughs> Maybe you... you're not. Anyway. Would you just give your grade? <laughs> just give your grade. I'm sorry. Um, but um, I, I'm looking at it a little, just a little bit harsher. And, and I think for me, I'm going a B minus. I think this is a B minus player. Okay. And I say that because of the three Ant-Man films, mm-hmm. I think this one is kind of on the same level with it, with the Ant-Man and the Wasp, the second one. It's not as good as the first one. Okay. And there was just, while I liked a lot of the things in it, 
there are too many things that I feel don't have their own identity are just other versions of things we've already seen. Like I say, the side characters, very reminiscent of Ragnarok. Um, Cassie is very reminiscent of Kate Bishop. And I know that that's very hard to do with a series that's this long, has had this many movies, this many shows, this many characters. I get it. It's It's a difficult thing to do. None of them were bad. No. But it just felt like, and again, maybe I'm being unfair because I'm judging them as a part of a larger whole than as a movie themselves. So I I, I acknowledge that I may be judging them a bit harshly, but I'm I think this would be one of my B minus players hmm. on the lower end of the Marvel Cinematic Universe for me. But the great thing about that is. The worst one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is a thousand times better than the best DCU movie. <laughs> so true. All right. Come at me. Oh, we are not a DC family no. in this house. <laughs> not. I would like to be. But there. But yeah, but that's a whole other show. So anyway. So. Yeah. I Like I said, room for me. I would, I would like to see a Quantum Realm something entity like i want i i would love to be able to follow these characters onto something else one of the shows which you which they may do you know yeah like that i think would be i think that the quantum realm is ripe for that yeah so they they may actually do that so who knows but anyways call me mcu let's talk (laughs) all right so (laughs) there we have it so thanks so yeah longer episode but those happen sometimes we get talking um, and we are looking forward to our next outing, which, uh, which should be another Jonathan Majors film, but we'll, yes, s- we'll see yeah. how things go. Yes. We're going to try to get to Creed 3. You know, we've got three teenagers, people. Yeah. Like we're, we're, we're trying. We're living Creed 3. <laughs> anyway. anyway, so, uh, all right. So thank you so much. Thank you, my love for a wonderful date night and, thank a, you. and another great podcast. Uh, thank you to our one follower. Thanks for being that person. And we hope we hope there are more. Not that it ever diminishes your specialness to us. No. And, um, uh, and you especially have a great day. Yes. So thank you all very much. Thanks for joining us. And as always, drive safe. And we'll see you at the movies. <laughs>